Welcome, book nerds, to the Marriage Stories Podcast. I'm Bradley. And I'm Becca. And if you're here looking for marriage advice... All we got is couples that read together, breed together. Editing Bradley here. We're in a new room that we're trying to figure out the sound quality issues and so if this sounds a little bit weird, that's why. So I'm going to apologize in advance for that and the creaky chair. (laughs) Enjoy. Welcome back to the Marriage Stories Podcast. I am excited about this episode. We came up with the idea for it a couple, honestly, like, it was a Over month a ago. Month ago. Um, uh, we were just talking on a road trip to Lexington about why do people like horror and being scared? Both of us do. Bradley always has. I have not. And we were just kind of exploring psychologically that topic. So that's what we're going to dive into this week on the Marriage Stories pod. Um, but first, what are you reading, Becca? Right now... I just finished up Love Theoretically by Allie Hazelwood. And? I love Allie Hazelwood. Hey, Allie Hazelwood, if you're ever listening to this, haha, I'm kidding myself, obviously. But um, I want to be friends, if you haven't heard me say that before. And in every post I post about your books, she is, like, amazing. You're really starting to make me jealous of Allie Hazelwood. As you should be. <laughs> um, She writes... STEMinist novels. Yes, you heard me right. STEM, as in science, technology, engineering, and math. Inist, like feminist um, novels. So all of the main characters are women in science, and yet they are also romances. She herself has her PhD in neuroscience and also moonlights as a romance author, which is awesome. There's great witty scientific banter um, within the book. But also, if you're not a science nerd, it's just still as good because they're really great romances in their own right. So, Love Theoretically, I still like Love Hypothesis better, but I think it places above Love on the Brain for me. So, but they're all five stars. See, what I know mostly about her books, and it's really about her first one, Love Hypothesis, is the Adam Carlson uh boob and yeah, mouth situation yeah. so she writes very small tittied female mcs like every single book so still. far talks about what still. still i know i know anyways adam carlson <laughs> fits the whole boob in his mouth and everybody came out of the woodworks to make fun of that for love hypothesis because they're like who the heck? But honestly, I think that's the best marketing decision ever. Oh, it is. Ever. It is, because everybody's like, I gotta read this. Yeah. Hilarious. You, out there, if you've ever had your whole boob in somebody's mouth, let us know. Really? We're gonna <laughs> have a call out for that? <laughs> never mind, never mind. I just, all I know is... I read through these emails. I I don't want to read through... All I know is nobody could ever do that with mine. Amen. I'll probably cut that part out. (laughs) So I am currently reading, and almost done with, an arc for 
Rachel Harrison's new book. Woo! Rachel Harrison has become one of my new favorite horror writers, and I can this say... This would be a good lead-in. I can say, without a doubt, a new autobi author for myself. Mm -hmm. um, but Black Sheep, I can't talk about it too much without going into spoilers, but basically the premise is... A, a, a woman has escaped her family's cult and then is drawn back for the wedding of her cousin to her ex-boyfriend. Mm. And that's where I'm going to leave it. And it's a horror. And it's and a horror. Rachel Harrison. I mean, I haven't started this yet, but I pl fully plan on it. Rachel Harrison's writing of horror is a great lead-in if you have not read horror before. They are scary. They are. However, they well, are... Well, I... Most they are scary. Are, okay. Scary as in, like, you're. if you are a fan of horror, you're not going to think these are cheesy or boring. But if you aren't typically a fan of horror, but are interested in getting into it, I would recommend these because they also have a good deal of just humor and often feminist themes. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of the combination of horror and feminist. We did Steminist. So, Heminist? No. no. Feminorer? No. I don't know. Now that, right in to the comments. Yeah, come up with a good hybrid for like feminist horror. Yes. Or, you know, we can just call it horror. Feminist horror. Yeah, but every every good thing needs a good portmanteau. <laughs> so, let's talk. Why do people like horror or even want to like horror? Shouldn't it be against our every in you know, every natural inclination? to want to read something scary? Well, first I think we need to go back and kind of define what horror is and okay. what now this is completely arbitrary genre casting, but we're going to do it cuz it's our podcast. Yep. Like so what do we define as horror? What makes a book horror as opposed to sci-fi or a fantasy or just to be clear, it can be more than one genre. Oh, it absolutely. It can be a sci-fi horror. It can be a fantasy horror. It, you know. But anyways, just what makes it classified as a horror book? Right. Oh, also, just going back real quick to fantasy horror, there needs to be more of that. That is a subgenre that there is, as I have not seen a ton of and want more of. Okay, but isn't technically any horror with paranormal also fantasy well that's true maybe we specify a, like a high fantasy uh, horror so a horror i mean immediate thoughts is it's scary right yes and by that it is a main plot theme throughout said book to be scary okay i, th I think that's valid because throughout the wheel of time there's a lot of frightening scenes scary things happen but i would never call that a horror. Right. Same with Game of Thrones. Right. There are certainly horrific elements, but that doesn't make it a horror. It is, it has to have being 
scared or feelings of fright as a main plot device. Okay, so then what do we, how do we distinguish between thriller and horror? So here's, an, uh, here's something, fun fact for you guys, I'm now working at a bookstore at Booktenders WV. Um, check it out, check. even if you're not in the area, come. You can order online to support we'll us. Fly down here, go visit. You gotta see Buddy the Book Dog. Pet Buddy, buy a beer, buy a book. Yes, we are also a bar, so it's awesome. It is one of the best places in the world. Books, beer, wine, coffee, nitro tea. Anyways, shameless plug for book tenders. So I don't think you have to distinguish between thriller and horror. Okay. We actually shelve them both together because thriller, and we call it thriller slash horror, mm -hmm. but... We, what we do distinguish them from is mystery. So okay. thrillers, thrillers also to, often toe the line with mystery. But the distinguishing factor between mystery and thriller is that element of horror or fear or suspense. Okay. And that, that brings in a whole new emotion to the book. So, like, for example, it could be a murder mystery, but it's not a thriller unless your main character is under threat of being murdered or okay. of, you know, being stalked or not sure, you know, like mm -hmm. that, 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 that element of fear or suspense is a plot device. So I used to think that the separation between thriller and horror is something maybe paranormal or um, something like it's a, a main focus of fear or horror, but I think most thrillers, as an avid thriller reader, that is a main theme. Okay. See, I, I would go along with that as my thought process is. If it has supernatural elements to it, it is horror. I think of horror mostly as like a fantasy subgenre. Otherwise, I'd, if it's more grounded, I'd say it's more of a thriller. That's just how I work it on my head. Like, Silence of the Lambs is a thriller, where The Shining is horror. Which, so to me, though, just, I mean, and this is purely subjective, but to me, Silence of the Lambs is far more horrific than The Shining, because the threat of a serial killer is far more real than Goose. Sure. But I would say that because it doesn't have the supernatural elements that The Shining does, it would make it a thriller. So it could be a very so, horrific thriller. But... So let's just talk, though. I mean, this is verging into movies. But I know we talked about this in the car on our, when we were coming up with this idea. But then what do you say of the serial killer horror movies? Like slasher movies? Like slasher movies. Is that a thriller or a horror I say that goes with horror because the idea of a slasher is in itself somewhat somewhat paranormal, somewhat supernatural. You think Freddy Krueger, which is the most obvious one, he haunts dreams. So, of course, that's a supernatural. But you also have uh, Jason Voorhees and Mike Myers where it's... There's a psychological question mark. Yeah, and, well, and also they keep, they don't stop. They get shot. Right. They get stabbed. They get gouged in the eyes. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they still keep going. They're a, a juggernaut, almost. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. They become the 
paranormal in and of themselves. And that's what I was trying to get at you to say because when we kind of were talking about that I thought that was very interesting. So something to be said for the serial killer as the uh, subject in a horror book, film, what have you, as sort of the paranormal element. So if you want to distinguish thriller from horror by a paranormal element, then you can. If you don't want to because you find thrillers horrifying and you don't want to discredit them by thriller being lesser than... Or even the opposite. Or the opposite. A lot of people, and I used to be one of these, um, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I really love thrillers, but then when it turns out to be something paranormal, it's a cop-out. I still kind of feel that way sometimes, especially if I'm experienced expecting a realistic horror or I mean a realistic thriller Mm -hmm. but there is a fine line there but that line is I agree Mm -hmm. I mean is there something paranormal they're your books Mm -hmm. so if you want to classify the difference between thriller and horror is because the spines are blue in a couple of them go Mm -hmm. ahead they're your books Yep. But anyways, those are kind of our thoughts on the distinction. So let's get back to why do we even like to read these things in the first place. Okay, so I, my answer to this, it might be one of the weirder ones. But as someone who suffers and deals with OCD, I find horror relaxing. As weird as that sounds. And now I reevaluate my marriage. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> I know. No. I find it relaxing, and I'll tell you why. It's because I have control over it. Mm -hmm. Real life, if said things were happening, I would have zero control. But when I'm reading a book, I have all the control. I can choose to make it stop and close the book and walk away. Mm -hmm. Or I can just figure out what happens as this uh, voyeuristic influence, just watching the, the plot happen. It's not something that I'm reading to scare myself, it's, I mean, I find it enjoyable, as weirdly yeah, as that sounds. relaxing, maybe? I mean, I'm not one to label your feelings. If you think it's relaxing, it's relaxing. But maybe relaxing is not the word, but it is, like, reassuring, in a way. Maybe. Like, that, that, that's you're, a you're good word for of, it. You are able to escape into this alternate reality in this book where all these things are happening to somebody else, not you, and you can shut the book and not have to deal with it, or you can open the book and see how they would deal with it. Yeah, and, and like think about somebody, how I would deal with it. Right, you know, that kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just a different way of looking at it, I guess, is I, I'm not putting myself in it, I'm observing it. Do you think of it like a doomsday prepper type thing, like a... Almost, yeah. Yeah, I could see that as a thing. Like, I now know this is exactly what I'm going to do if I go to a a hotel in the middle of Colorado. I'm going to be looking out for ghosts everywhere because it's what happens. So for me, it's different because it keeps my attention, keeps me on my mind. So, if I want a book that I'm going to get totally hooked on, I'm going to pick up a thriller. Mm -hmm. Because I can't put it down because I have to know what happens next. And why is that? Well, because if it were happening to me in real life, that's the same emotion I would have. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're on edge. You You don't have to focus on anything else. Because 
you literally can't. Like, you are so invested in what's going to happen to your main character or characters that it really is one of the genres most that really grabs your full attention and your whole mind is occupied on that book. Like, you can't be reading, and, and I mean, again, this is subjective. This is not, like, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I can't be reading, you know, The Return by Rachel Harrison and also thinking about my laundry list of things to do. Mm-hmm. But if I'm reading a, you know, a general fiction or, you know, something like that, that is based largely in day-to-day reality, then it is a lot easier for me to be reading the page and not really reading the page. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think well-written horror slash thrillers are just immediately very immersive. Immersive from the get-go. Yes. And maybe that's why you don't see, or at least I don't see, a lot of high fantasy horror is because high fantasy generally has to take time to world build and there's never really like there's not many thriller or horror series because i know a good couple but you're right there aren't it's usually one-offs or anthologies is a lot of the time too i mean i could name a couple off the top of my head but you're right they're not as prevalent Mm -hmm. i also think there's something to be said for just the excitability that is triggered it is a rush of dopamine to read something that gets your heart you know like pumping yeah whether it's good or bad you know i think that honestly reading horror is not all that different from reading romance and that's a funny thing to say but you read romance because you want to be taken out of your, you know, day-to-day reality and feel a different emotion. Mm-hmm. You're looking for that gushy, enamoring, you know, comfy, feel-good emotion. It is the opposite emotion you get from horror, but it is the same chemical brain response. Oh no, there's some gushiness in horror. Well, a different kind of gushiness. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you are you are looking to be transported yeah. from your current surroundings or state and and immersed in somebody else's experience. Yeah, I think that's valid. I mean, you think about it with a more of an urban fantasy, low fantasy take on it. That's what a lot of YA uh, relies on is that our reality, our but we add this in to make it different. It's immediately accessible in that you know this world already. You don't have to world build as much, yeah. so you can just dive right in. I or like that because I get so. I, do like fantasy, but I it takes time and commitment. It does to get into where a romance or a horror thriller, like you say, from page one, it's ready to go. Right. I mean, with Gone Girl, you're not sitting there for an hour memorizing the map at the beginning of the book. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or trying to figure out the magic system. You know, like, it's not an investment of mental capacity because it does the brain work for you. You're just kind of along for the ride. Yeah, I like that. 
So I think those are why, at least general ideas, why we like to read horror, even though everything natural tells you you shouldn't want to feel scared. But also, from a zoologist nerdy point of view as of right now, kind of going back to your doomsday prepper point of view of why you like to read horror, animals of all different species often will kind of purposefully self-simulate predator-prey situations for their young even if they're not true threats, to train them. Um, now, there is not a real threat of, well, at least we don't believe, there is a, a, a real threat of, you know, being haunted in a haunted house that wants to kill you or something. However, there is that evolutionary response in our brains as mammals to train yourself to be able to protect your progeny or yourself should, you know, these life-threatening situations happen. So it is taking a natural response that is there that animals do have of varying species to varying degrees to prepare yourself to be able to survive and those that do prepare are more likely to be able to survive than those who do not. You heard it here first. Read your kids goosebumps. <laughs> Oh dear. That's what I took out of that. No, no, no. You read it so that you can protect your children. <laughs> so let's take it a little different path here. Who are some of your favorite horror writers? Slash thriller writers. Well, we've already talked about Rachel Harrison. Yep. Okay, thriller writers, Lisa Jewell. Lisa Jewell writes, Then She Was Gone, The Family Upstairs, all kinds of good ones. Uh, she Disappeared, and uh, The Girls in the Garden. All kinds of really great thrillers. They are all usually like you are, you're learning that you and your family or your people you have relationships are not really who they think they are or you think they are. The way you're thrillers. saying that, is it written in second person or? No. You're discovering it along with... Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. You're just saying it as you... Okay. I'm, right. I'm up to speed. Yeah. And they're really good. The main appeal of a thriller to me is unpredictability. If I'm able to predict what happens, I'm disappointed. And uh, so that's also kind of a interesting psychological point there. Yeah. Because with romance, you're reading romance because you want predictability. I don't know. Maybe you don't. Well, if you don't want predictability, you shouldn't read romance because happily ever afters are an anxiety curing thing. Okay. Where... I don't know. I don't read romances, so... Anyways. I, I cannot vouch for the predictability. Lisa Joel. Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn. How are you say that? I think it's Gillian. Gillian Flynn. My lord. I mean, she only has three novels and a short story, but they are all absolutely incredible. Hers verge more on horror. Actually, Gone Girl is the least, like, horror It's the least of scary of yeah. the... And then I also enjoy Alice Feeney as a thriller author, Daisy Darker, Rock, Paper, Scissors, those are ones by her. So those are kind of my favorite thriller authors. I'm going to be cliche, and I know, I mean you too, uh, and say that Stephen King was my foray into horror. He writes several that um, are good transitions from being a thriller lover to getting into some horror. Mm -hmm. Um 
Misery is my favorite and it's a straight thriller. Like there's nothing really paranormal other than that like insanity element there with the main character, which kind of bridges that, that I feel like that insanity that no one can explain is kind of the verge there. Same thing like we were talking with the serial killer thing. Like, mm -hmm. That adds an element of horror to said thriller that is not always in books you would classify as straight thriller. Okay. And you? I mean, Stephen King is obviously... <laughs> is the king. Is the king. Cy King is one of my favorites, if not my favorite. We also have, like, Junji Ito I've discovered I really oh. love. <laughs> Goodness, I just, I literally, I, if you want to make your brain die, well, oh, just wow. look at his artwork. His artwork is incredible a lot of the time. I really... If you have trypophobia, do not even look at it. Yeah, that, that can be a problem. I didn't know that was a thing those, until... Those, like, just saying his name made those terrible images pop oh, up in my head. Oh my. But I mean, how do you not know there's a thing? An entire one of his books is about spirals, which is not holes, but still spirals torturing a city. Like, that's literally... Yeah, it's awesome. I'm gonna vomit. Oh, no. Um, his books are... He writes manga. Um, if, he, if you couldn't tell from this discussion, it's uh, not prose novels, but he is very good. He, I'm a big fan of his work. Paul Grady Hendrix. Oh, shoot! Grady Hendrix, Stephen yeah. Graham Jones. Stephen Graham Jones, Paul Tremblay. Grady Hendrix is another good one for Bridge the Gap from other genres. Actually, I would say Grady Hendrix is a good Bridge the Gap, not from thriller, but from like, if you like Leanne Moriarty or... If you like women. If you like women. <laughs> no, if you like mama drama, neighborhood drama, friendship drama like if you like if you are here for the drama kings and queens of this world and want a little horror read Brady Hendricks. anyways talk about Paul Tremblay because I don't know anything about him well I mean he's good I've only read two of his books at this point and I have a bunch more slated to read but I he's very good he manages to keep you guessing throughout the book like you off in the, at least in the two I've had, you have two conflicting POVs, and they're each saying something different, and you're, you don't know which is right until the end. And you keep going back and forth, well, are they right? Are they right? Are they right? And it's, they've been very good. Um, I've read Paul Bear's Club and A Head Full of Ghosts. Both were very good reads. Big fan of Tremblay's. Stephen Graham Jones is another one I said there. He's, he does very, he does very good horror. Is that a good sentence? Uh, <laughs> his, it's a different atmosphere almost than others because it's, I don't know. His are more of like an atmospheric. I'm... I've only read of his. I've only read the only good Indians, which is my favorite so far. It's amazing. Read the only good Indians, and then read the Return um, by Rachel Harrison. By Rachel Harrison, and both of those are really good if you're into the whole kind of like Wendigo slash like nature rebelling slash. Mm -hmm. I think that those are both good recommendations for that. Oh, definitely. I'll also throw in Sleeping Beauties. Oh yeah, yeah. To that by Stephen King and uh -huh. Owen King. Uh huh. If you like nature-based horror, those are good. Yeah, I, I can hit you up with that. <laughs> yeah, be 
thinking of Pet Cemetery. Pet Cemetery. That's my that's a good one. so like that's my favorite Stephen King horror through and through. Like my favorite Stephen King book is Misery. I would consider that one more of a thriller, less of a horror. Mm-hmm. But Pet Cemetery, heck to the yeah. Now you haven't read a ton of Stephen King either. I have read at least I don't know probably eight okay. Stephen King. I don't know. I've read Misery. I've read Carrie. I've read The Shining, Pet Cemetery, Sleeping Beauties, The Outsider. The Outsider. I've read others, but they're not coming to mind. So, anyways, yep. yeah, I'm a recent horror convert. I <laughs> grew up really kind of raised to be against horror. My parents always said, the world's scary enough, so why would you want to add more to it? And I can see and respect that point of view. But I think everything we just talked about in this episode can go to validate an interest and entertainment value of horror. Thank you for joining us this week on the Marriage Stories podcast. Hopefully we'll be back next week and we won't be moving again. But if you have questions or comments, email us at themarriagestoriespodcast at gmail.com. At themarriagestoriespod at gmail.com. Or the... The Marriage Stories Pod. We should really learn our email. Really need Leave to this in. Leave this in. Okay. The Marriage Stories Pod at gmail.com. One of these days, okay, I made the email account. Follow us on Instagram at The Marriage Stories Pod, at The Book Analyst, and at Books, Board, and Bruce. Email us if you have any comments or questions. Happy reading, or should I say, scary reading. <laughs>